0: <laughs> oh, I love you Saturday night. You are just so much fun. First, first of all, congratulations on making it through the, uh, the, it's like, you know, I've been preparing all day to speak to 14 people. So this is like way more than I anticipated. Uh, it's great. How am going crazy this rain we had. Uh, I, I love weather. So the more violent, the better. So I've loved it. Um, but I always pray it stops on Saturday and then, you know, uh, picks up again on Monday. And uh, every once in a while, the Lord listens to me, usually not. But uh, anyway, it's great to be here with you. And uh, we're going to go into time of teaching right now. So uh, my name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors, if I didn't mention that before. Um, so inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. encourage you to take that out. Um, and all I'm going to say is prepare to be challenged, all right? That's my, my word for tonight, prepare to be challenged. And uh, good job at making it, but as we were doing worship, I just felt like, I think this is going to be one of those nights where for many of us in this room, God is going to have a word of challenge, and I'm excited about that. Um, And so uh, let's pray and ask uh, God to show up, and we'll be here to to see uh, how we respond to him when he does. Let's pray. God, we're just thankful for this time. Thank you for the rain that we've had this week, Um, and we thank you for this chance to come into a safe place and really seek you and to be open to whatever you want to say. And we just want to say that at the beginning of the service, God, that we're your people, that we're here for you, that we've come to listen and to follow. And so, God, as we talk about this important topic of courage tonight and the way courage plays out in relationships, it's how it's so critical, uh, whether it's starting, deepening, or repairing relationships. We pray that you teach us how to walk and to grow in this character quality of courage. We pray in your name. Amen our story starts a long time ago, and uh, he's prepared for this day um, for his whole life, literally at least the last 40 years. And uh, God's been preparing him, and he knows it, Uh, but now it's finally come. He's not sure if he's ready. The nation is in crisis. They have just lost a leader that is deeply loved. And even though he's known for a long time, the chances are that he'll be called to step into the void. That what he's feeling tonight as he sits by his bed is sheer terror. Because not only is he being asked to step into this leadership role and to follow in the footsteps of an incredible leader, but the nation is facing a tremendous crisis. And he knows the decisions that he makes in the next few days, literally will impact the future of their nation forever. And so as he sits there in the darkness, the question is, does he have what what it takes? And he knows that every eye in the nation is upon him and is wondering the same thing. Does this man have what it takes to lead us into our future? Well, today we are continuing our series that we started, what, about five or six weeks ago called... uh, called Renew the Character of Great Relationships. And if you're brand new, uh, I want to take just a second to set up. I'm not going to go over the whole thing. Um, You'll see there on your note sheet that the very first week of this series, I laid out five critical principles that about the, the, the tithing of the relationship between God's renewal work in our life and the role that character plays in relationships. And we kind of laid those out. If you weren't here that first week and uh, you haven't gone back yet and gone to our YouTube channel and watched that first message, I would really encourage you to do that. I'm not going to review all five of those uh, today. I'm going to leave that for Dre to do. Um, but I do want to hit on the first principle, all right? So there in your note sheet... Yeah, there's a section called Renew the Character of Great Relationships, and just this first principle um, is, is so critical to the whole series that God's vision is renewal. And so whether we've been here every week or this is our first week, I mean, this is the core concept of this whole series that when God comes into a person's life, when a man or woman comes to Jesus, that God's vision for our life is so much bigger than we might imagine. And often when we first come to Jesus, we think of it, hey, we're, we have salvation, we believe in Jesus, we've been saved, now we're not going to hell, we'll go to heaven. And of course, that's true, but God's vision is so much bigger, that his vision is that we would be restored, we would be transformed, we'd be renewed to be the people we were created to be, to become like our creator, which as we've learned in this series, that in turn gives us the capacity to build a new relationship, not only with God, but with others in our lives that matter the most to us. And so the key passage that we've been in is Colossians chapter 3. We're not going to look at the key verse, chapter three ten, 10, and Sarah, you're no cheat. But what we've been doing in this series and is walking through, and in this series we have planned right now for seven, unless it goes long, but uh, seven key character qualities that we believe are absolutely essential, part of this renewal process to become uh, like our creator so we can build solid, great, strong, life-giving relationships in our life. And so today, topic on the table is courage. Now, this is interesting because if you've been with us for this series, you know that almost every week we've been going back to Colossians chapter 3, highlighting certain key character qualities that are are listed there as, hey, here's a mark of what it looks like to be renewed like your Creator. But if you go back to the key verses that we've been looking, courage is not on the list. In fact, uh, if you were to go in the New Testament... And in the New Testament there's many lists of the character qualities that God wants to renew in our life, the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, several different lists, and you will never find courage mentioned once. And yet the reality is as you look at the Bible, you look at the Old Testament, you look at the New Testament, you look at the life of God's leaders, God's people, you look at the life of Jesus, what we find is courage is one of the most important character qualities in order to be renewed to become the people we are created to be and to build the kind of relationships we're designed to experience. And we'll talk later, perhaps, we'll see if we get there, but we'll talk later, perhaps, why I think why courage isn't in those lists. But today we're going, to, we're going to talk about this. What we're going to see is that courage is one of the most important character qualities. In fact, and this is so interesting to me because if I were to you know, sit down with you, on, we're going to have coffee together. We're going to say, so uh, if, what would you say were the most important character qualities that are important for a relationship? It wouldn't surprise me if you would identify things like integrity. If you would talk about authenticity, maybe empathy, even humility after last week, that wouldn't surprise me. But what would surprise me is if many of us would say right off the bat, one of these that comes to mind is courage. And yet I am completely convinced that one of the most critical character qualities that we have to grow in if we become renewed like our creator and build great relationships is Courage. And so today, what I want to do is I want to start out by just saying, why is it so important? And I want to give you kind of three uh, three reasons why courage is so important if we're going to build great relationships in our life, and then come back and talk about kind of two important principles of how do we grow in it. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called Courage, the Non-Negotiable, and uh, i 'm just going to jump through these are going to be very easy to follow. I think it 's going to be very intuitive it 's not going to be hard to understand, and yet I think as we go through there 's going to be some lights going on and some implications beginning to, to form so number one, the first reason why courage is so important is it takes courage to start a relationship that if you want to build strong relationships in your life, it often requires great courage and not always, but it often does and This is something that I don't know if you've ever really thought about a whole lot, but um, if you think back, guys, uh, now I'm old enough that uh, I I grew up when men asked women out. I I know that. Look it up on the History Channel, Uh, (laughs) right? Um, But when I was growing up, you know, men were men. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Can I? uh, Yeah. Can, hey, can I just say this, a real quick sidebar? If you're single and you're a man, you need to man up, all right? And and uh, as men, you know, we're called to lead, right? We're called to be spiritual leaders in our home. And it's not like a switch goes on once you get married. It's like, if you're going to lead, you need to lead from the beginning. Like, you need to be the visionary for this relationship. You need to have a vision for this relationship. You need to take a lead. You need to say, he want to follow God. And that begins as a man by saying, hey, you're someone that I'm interested in, and I would like to pursue a relationship with you. And not beating around the bush and not waiting for her to ask, not making it awkward, but you would just, in a godly way, reach out. Amen? That's guys that's say. So, so here at Rocky Peak, we're going to do relationships differently. We're going to let men kind of rise up and lead as Christ loves the church. And that is not in my notes. And I'm going long, but that's the way it goes. So uh, it's just so funny when I get up for the things that come out. And I'm just always amazed. It's like, whoa, I cut so much out so I'd be on time. And now I'm going to be long again. But uh, anyway, uh, so uh, anyway, that... Um, if you remember back, uh, or maybe you've seen a movie <laughs> about this, but I remember, you know, back when I was single asking a girl out, or I remember when you were out on that date and, and you decided, do I take her hand, you know? And, and it was just, you remember that, some of you will remember that, you'll remember how nervous, I remember that when I was a teenager, right, being in a movie theater and I let want to put your arm around her, you're doing that fake thing, like, just so in case she doesn't like it, it's just like, no, I was just scratching or whatever, you know, and <laughs> And so, you know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's like, you know, or you, or you just kind of put your hand over slightly, you just kind of touch, him and you see what she does, and she like runs through the hills, you go, oh, I was just scratching, you know? Uh, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, we, we see it in dating often, right? It's this kind of nerve-wracking reaching out and, and sort of letting someone know that you would like to pursue a relationship. It takes courage. But that is true in any relationship. It's true in a friendship. It's true when there's someone in your life that you think, I, I'm really interested in developing a friendship, and so you have to make that first move of, hey, you know, emailing or texting, or hey, you want to go out for coffee, you want to come over, you want to go for a hike, and there's a little bit of risk in that, isn't there? So it takes some courage. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, favorite accounts, is the relationship between David and Jonathan. And if we had time, I would love to just break that down. There are so many relational principles in that one friendship. But one of the things I love is I love the way that Jonathan pursued relationship with David. That uh, David was a nobody, and overnight he became this overnight sensation because he killed Goliath. Of course, uh, Jonathan is the crown prince, so they're very different statuses in life. Like David couldn't have reached out to be friends with, with Jonathan. That would have been inappropriate socially, Right? So the David reaches. I mean, Jonathan reaches out after that and he, and he goes, you can read about it for Samuel 18, we won't look at it now, but he reaches out and he says, I, basically, I want to be friends and I want to enter into a covenant, a friendship. And He even gave him some really cool like men gifts, like swords and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> which I'm telling you, you want to be friends with someone, give them a sword. That is awesome. <laughs> Just the way to go. But uh, anyway, but Jonathan pursued that relationship. He said, I want to be friends. You're the kind of man that that I respect. I think we'd hit it off. And he reached out to be friends. And that takes courage. Because what if the other person says, I don't want to go out to coffee. No, I don't really want to go hiking with you. I don't want to. It takes courage to start a relationship of any kind. And so um, there on your note sheet, I put a quote from a book I'm going to quote a couple times today. It's a good book. I recommend it. It's by a, a pastor-author named Gordon McDonald, And uh, the book's called When Men Think Private Thoughts. And so it's kind of for men. But, uh, you know, he's a famous you know, pastor, leader, uh, author. And he talks about his own journey to understand how relationships work. And he says, what I had never understood is something that be, could be called the doctrine of friendship. That's what you think about, the doctrine of friendship. How do friendships happen? And he said... Uh, then catches. He said, friendships do not just happen. They are sought. There's something you go after. Uh, they are developed. They're, they're deepened. We'll talk about that later. They are maintained. Friendships are not accidental. They have to be cultivated much as a plant is carefully developed from seed to blossom. And so So, I don't care if it's a dating relationship, if it's a relationship with your son or daughter, if it's a marriage relationship, if it is a friendship, if you're joining a life group or whatever, that friendships have to be sought. And that requires risk. And the risk is the risk of rejection, it is the fear of rejection. That holds us back because what if they don't want to be friends? What if they don't? And and it's very real, right? And sometimes they don't. But but what I'm just I want you to catch is it. It takes courage to start a relationship. Number two, it takes courage to deepen a relationship. I don't know if you remember this, but about two or three weeks ago, we talked about integrity. And when I talked about integrity, I talked about our three selves. I don't know if you remember that, but like concentric circles. And I said that we all have a public self—that's the self that everyone knows of us—and then we have a personal self. Kind of think of them like three concentric circles moving towards the center. We have a personal self, and that's the self that we would share with our closer friends or associates, you know, life group or whatever. And then you have a private self that you share probably only with yourself, maybe with God, maybe with a, a couple trusted people in your life, right? So we're moving from public to private. And with each step in, as you're building a relationship, if you want your relationships to grow and deepen, we have to go from our public self to, towards our private self. So relationships that are growing, it's a marriage, it's parenting, it's a friendship. You're always moving and taking steps along the way from your public self towards your private self. You, you follow this? You got to go, go in. But with each step, it involves risk. Because to move in, it requires some self-disclosure. It requires some vulnerability. That as you're going in, you're sharing more of yourself. And of course, that opens the door for, once again, some rejection, doesn't it? I mean, what if you share it deeper and they don't like you? They used to like you because they didn't know you. And isn't that the fear? It's like, I know you like me now, but if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. And so because of that fear, we often stay out here in our public self, we stay very safe. And so, But but if a relationship is to grow, if a relationship is going to deepen, you have to take that risk. You have to self-disclose. And of course, it is risky because number one, they may not like you. That's a reality, it's a possibility. Secondly, they may not reciprocate. I don't know if you've ever been in a very awkward situation. You share something, and, you know, we, the way relationships work, they have to be reciprocal, right? Like if I, on a scale of 1 to 10, if I share something that's an 8, not very, let's just say, let's, say, uh, let's go, let's go uh, high vulnerability is 10. I'm making this up. It's not in the notes. High vulnerability is like 10. 1's very superficial. If I share a 1, you share a 1, right? It's usually like I don't share a 1 and you share a 10. That's not how they work. Like they move. And so I share a one, you share a one. I share a two, you take the risk, you share a two. I share a 3 There is a reciprocality, That's the way they work. And so uh, if, I say, if I take a risk and I'm going to go from a four to a six with you, and then you just stay at a four, it just feels awkward. It feels like, uh, I think we need to back up the truck. We just went uh, two circles too deep, right? And so, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a fear of what if they don't reciprocate. Here's one of our biggest fears. What if I share with you in confidence and you betray my trust by sharing my personal information with others that I have not authorized? And so to catch, to catch this, to deepen a relationship, it takes courage. And yet without taking risk, a relationship will always stay Superficial. Now, this is true for both men and women, but in our culture, at this point in culture, I honestly believe this is easier for women than it is for men. And not all women, or not all men, but I mean, in general, women are quicker to open up and share at deeper levels. For us as men, it's often harder. Uh, there in your note sheet, um, Gordon MacDonald again, he says, we were built for intimacy. Remember, he's writing to a book for men. It's like we're, we're, we were built for relational, the, the sharing of hearts, to be brothers, right? Uh, shoulder to shoulder, uh, back to back. We're built for intimacy uh, and this linkage of souls, but most of us men rarely experience it. And so our culture as men, especially, this goes for both women and men, but especially as men, this is more rare. And I'll tell you why, it's because it terrifies us as men more than it terrifies women. For us as men, we have often not been brought up to have this kind of heart-to-heart relationship with people, and so we are actually more scared. We've had less experience, and so it can be even more scary. And so what I want you to catch is that it takes risk to start, it takes risk uh, or courage to start, it takes risk, uh, courage to to deepen. And let me, before we leave number two, so here's what the temptation is. The temptation when it comes to relationship is to fake who we are. The temptation is to stop that level of disclosure at a very high level of superficiality and catch us and pretend to be someone we're not in order that we don't disrupt the relationship. Now, this is really big because for many people, uh, we are what what I like to call jello people. You say what's jello? Well, I don't know if people still make jello, but when I was a kid, my mom used to make jello and jello molds, right? You pour jello into anything and it takes on the shape of whatever you pour it into. So what's a jello person? They mold to whoever they're around. So what happens is that when we're not when, when we don't have courage, we are not authentic in our relationships. We mold to the desires of whoever we're around. And when you do this long enough, you lose yourself. You don't even know who you are. You don't know what you like. You don't know what you dislike. You don't know what you believe. You don't know what you don't believe. You don't know what you stand for and you don't because you're so busy just making sure that you're like whoever you're with so you don't offend them, that you lose yourself. But catch this, one of the marks of strong relationships is you have two people who know who they are and are committed to being who they are in the relationship, even if it causes problems. Even if it causes the relationship to break up. They will be true to who they are. And I don't mean any kind of uh, weird, like, I'm true to myself. I'm just saying... So you are who you are, and so like if you study the life of Jesus, one of the things I love most about Jesus is he's so like himself. He doesn't like shift based on who he's talking to. Like he is, there's a strong sense of this is who I am. And if we want to build strong relationships, we have to have the courage to be who I am. And if you don't like that, or if you reject that, or you walk away from that, I'm okay with that. I don't want that to happen, but I'm okay with that because when I'm not, what the alternatives, I just mold to you till I lose myself and then we don't really have a real relationship. It is a fake relationship. You're relating to someone who's not really there. And that takes a lot of courage. It takes courage. Sometimes this happens in, in a marriage where two people can be married for a long time, but one or both parties has pretended to be someone that they are not for so long just to keep the peace that they have lost themselves. And by definition, you cannot have a deep relationship when you're not being yourself. Now, number three. The third principle is it takes courage to restore a relationship. Now, what I mean by this is that every relationship of any depth, that sooner or later you're going to have conflict, right? Any relationship of any depth, the only kind of relationships that don't have conflict are superficial relationships. But as you go closer into the core, you're sharing your lives more, whatever, it's uh, it's becoming more personal, more private, that that sooner or later you're going to have conflict. And so that feels scary, doesn't it? When you start having conflict in a relationship, it feels scary, and, and so what happens is that you have to have the courage to move towards the conflict, yeah. and that takes courage. Patrick Lencioni uh, famously he, ca- he calls it entering the danger. And if you want to have strong relationships, you have to be willing to enter the danger. You say, there's something going on here. There's something going on in our marriage. There's something going on uh, with my relationship with my son or daughter. There's something going on here with my colleagues. There's something going on in this life group, and we can't pretend it's not. We can't sweep it under the carpet. We can't ignore it. We can't pretend it's not an issue. Feelings have been hurt. Things have happened. If we just ignore it, what will end up happening is we'll either end up living a very superficial relationship, or we just build up huge resentment. And so if we're if we want to build solid relationships, we have to learn to have the courage to enter the danger. And so I know this feels unsafe, but we have to learn how to put this issue on the table and work through it. I've talked about this before, but let me just illustrate this out of marriage. Uh, this works for any relationship, but marriages see it the most that what happens in a relationship in a marriage where they can't enter the danger, that out of fear, they can't enter the danger and talk about what's really going on, what happens is if there begins to be certain topics in the relationship they just don't approach anymore. And when that happens, what happens? Every time there's a topic you can't address anymore, it's like a brick goes into between you. And over time, if you continue relating this way, it's like brick after brick goes up until pretty soon there's a wall between you. And there is no relationship. You have built up a wall. Like we can't talk about your mother. We can't talk about vacation. We can't talk about finances. We can't talk about my dreams. We can't talk about your fears. We can't talk about this. We just and so pretty soon we live parallel lives. So we're living together in the same uh in the same house. We may be committed to Staying married because we're Christians, we know divorce is not the right option. But what has happened is that we have just becoming more and more superficial because we cannot talk about real things in life because we can't resolve conflict. And what's true there is true in business. It's true in friendships. It's true with kids. In order to build strong relationships, we have to have the courage to move towards conflict and enter the danger, and learn how to do conflict in a way that builds up instead of tears down. Now, in this series, we're not going to be talking a lot about conflict resolution or how to do that, but I want to resource you. So, you know, a couple weeks ago, I encouraged you to get uh, Steve Covey's book, the, uh, you know, uh, Seek First to Understand, Then to Be Understood. That's a big part of this. But there in your note sheet, I put a, a book that I would highly recommend. We've taken our whole staff through here Um, And it's called Crucial Conversations. Not a Christian book, but a great book on how to move towards conflict in a positive way. Men and women catch this. If we cannot learn how to do conflict well, we cannot build strong relationships. It is as simple as that. Because the the only way to stay in relationship if you can't do conflict is to become more and more superficial. Or to withdraw completely. John Maxwell there in your note sheet, he says, the interesting observation I have made personally and pastorally about relationships is that the level of relationship will be determined by the way those involved respond to conflict. I really believe that. When a conflict is not dealt with properly, the relationship can regress to a previous level. When a conflict occurs and the response is in the right manner, then the relationship can progress to a higher level. So it's the response to conflict that usually determines if the relationship gets better or begins to disintegrate right on the money, right? Right on the money. So, all right, so, uh, so here's what I want you to catch. This first part of this message is that it takes courage to start a relationship. It takes courage to deepen a relationship. It takes courage to repair a relationship. All I want to do is change your paradigm, because like I said, if we went out to, before this message, out to Starbucks, and I said, hey, what would you do, the three or four things, like really critical character qualities for, to build strong relationships, my guess is most of us would not think courage, and yet the more, the longer I live, the more I deal with people, the more I think about this, the more I'm absolutely convinced it is critical, That courage is required at every stage along the way. And in fact, if you think of the topics we've covered, it takes courage to be authentic, doesn't it? It takes courage to do the right thing, even when it's hard with integrity. It takes courage to enter into someone else's emotions with empathy because if you understand their point of view, it might require you to change. It requires courage to have humility and actually courage is actually at the core of so much of uh, great relationships. So what I want to do is put neon lights around this so that for your life and my life, as we're in relationships, that we can recognize this. Hey, why is this relationship not going well? What needs to happen? And many times you'll see, bingo, it is a courage issue. That right now, I have to decide, do I move forward and face my fears or do I run? But the issue is a courage issue. It's not a communication issue. It's not a chemistry issue. It is a courage issue. And I think once we recognize that, it becomes much, once we name it and we recognize it, it becomes much easier to say, okay, then what will I do? How am I going to approach this? How do we fix this? And that leads into a couple of principles about um, courage and, and how we move towards it that I think are really helpful. So let's jump in there in your note sheet. Courage 101, two important principles. Number one, I think it's important we understand first like what courage is and what it isn't. And so first let's fill in some blanks. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in the face of fear. I think often we tend to think of courage as a person is courage, they have no fears. And so then we're in a scary situation, we pray, God, would you take away my fear? And I believe there are times in our life when God will supernaturally take away our fear. I've experienced that. But, like, it's not the norm. Usually, when God calls us to move towards courage, what he's calling us to do is to embrace our fear and to act in the face of fear. Like, like not to pretend it's not there, to, to acknowledge it and we move towards it. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, one of our, famous gener- our kind of most famous generals in World War II was George Patton. And I don't know if you've seen the movie Patton with George C. Scott, but if you have, uh, you know, he, he had a reputation for just being such a tough leader, uh, definitely kind of a man's man, uh, harsh, tough, demanding, uh, full of courage. But it's interesting because one time he was asked in an interview about his courage, and this is what he said. He said, I am not a brave man. He said, the truth of the matter is that I'm usually a coward of heart. I've never been in the, uh, in the sound of gunshot or the sight of battle in my whole life. I was not afraid. I constantly have sweat on my palms and lumps in my throat. And yet here he is, one of our greatest tank commanders in the history of our country. He said, that, that, that courage is not the absence of fear It's acting in the face. And so what this means is that if we're going to grow in relationships, we have to understand this, that God is not going to supernaturally come into your life and remove all fear of asking the girl out. God is not going to come in and remove all fear of deepening the relationship by sharing something vulnerable. He's not going to come in and remove the fear of entering the danger of conflict. That what God is going to do, he's going to call you into like, like the song says, he's going to call us out into the waters. He's going to say, I, I know you have fear, but I want you to call. And as you study the Bible, it's what you see over and over again. I think, you know, God calling Moses. I want you to go down and talk to Pharaoh. Like, are you serious? It's like the guy's ahead of the superpower. you going to go and tell him to let his labor force go? Like Moses wanted none of that assignment. He did everything he could to get out of it until he's more afraid of God than the assignment. Uh, you think of Gideon fighting the Midianites. Why do you think he kept on doing the fleece on the other way around? It's like, like certainly, if I do this long enough, I'll get the right answer. Right? Uh, you think of Peter walking on water. You know, um, We'll talk about Jesus in just a minute. In fact, let's talk about Jesus now. Often we don't realize this, but... You think of Jesus when he went to Gethsemane; it's fascinating. Here he is, God as man, the God man, right, and terrified. We often don't think, but he is scared to death. He is sweating blood. But what's he doing? He's moving towards his fear. And God meets him there. In fact, it's interesting. The second uh, the second quote there on your note sheet, Tim Keller, you know, pastor Tim Keller says, "Only Christianity says." that one of the attributes of God is courage. No other religion has a God who needed courage. He's talking about Jesus in the garden. And so so one of my favorite examples of this, kind of best illustrations, is the story we started the day with. And you may have recognized the story, you may not, but this is the story of Joshua. Joshua had been prepared for over 40 years to take over when Moses stepped down. He he had been Moses' right hand man. He had led Israel into battle. Um, he's been preparing this day for his whole life. And yet, when the time comes and Moses goes down and dies, <laughs> it's a scary time. Not only has Israel lost this loved leader that's led them through everything from the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, uh, the plagues in Egypt, 40 years, you know, man, all those things, but uh, he's been their leader. He's brought them the law of God. He's like their connection with God. And when he goes down, I mean, the nation's like, well, who's going to be next? It, Are you up to this? And when, when Joshua steps in, it's not like they're in year 35 of the wilderness wandering. He's got five years to get up to speed. When Moses dies, he is immediately called. His first assignment is to go in and take over the promised land, conquer these cities. I mean, it's a, this is the one thing that Moses failed with. This is a huge, scary assignment. And I don't know where he was on the night God came to speak with him on the morning. I kind of picture him sitting by his bed, but he's terrified. He is not confident. He's not like, hey, 40 years I've been praying, I'm sure God's going to be with me. He's with Moses with me. He's terrified. In fact, you see this in this first conversation that God has where he gives him the assignment three times in about four or five verses. God tells him, don't be afraid. Well, God never wastes his words. God never tells someone not to be afraid who's not afraid. The first time he tells them, be be, be strong and of good courage. Second time he says, be very strong. The third time he says, don't be terrified. Back there on your note sheet, I put this uh, dialogue down. I just highlighted the key verses. The first time he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people and we'll come back to that to inherit the land. And then the second time he says, be strong and very courageous have I not commanded you? The third time he says, be strong and courageous. Three times. And he says, do not be what? Terrified. And this is what you find in scripture. It that this is what courage looks like. When God says, he says, hey, be courageous, be strong. He comes to us in the midst of our fear. And so, if we expect in terms of relationships, I'm going to wait until my fear is gone until I start a relationship. If I'm going to wait until my fear is gone before I take the risk and share. If I'm going to wait until my fear is gone before I break up with this person that God's told me eight years ago to break up with, it's not going to happen. That God is going to meet us as we step out. It's the way courage grows. The second principle there goes like this that courage comes from the Lord. Now, this is interesting to me because if you were to go back and do a lot of reading in like Roman and, and Greek literature of say the time of the New Testament, what you'd find is in the Greco Roman world, the Roman world, that the philosophers, the leaders, like people that like Aristotle and people like that that they said that there were four cardinal virtues, right? That, that in other words, if you want to be, live a good life, you want to be the great man or whatever, that there were four cardinal virtues. In other words, there are four basic virtues that everything else flowed out of. Out of these four come everything else. These are the four you need. And guess what? One of the four is courage. And it's interesting to me, in that Greco-Roman context, where courage is one of the big four, that leads to greatness, it's interesting to me that in all the lists of the New Testament, courage never makes it once. And the question is, why? And here's my guess, because we see courage on page after page. We just saw here. That in the Greco-Roman world, courage was seen something that comes from within yourself. If you want to be great, here's the four virtues you need. You need to develop these. You need to build these. These need to be yours. But for the Christ follower, greatness comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. Greatness comes as we connect with our Savior. We put on and we take off. It's it's not something that I create in myself. It's something that God creates in me as I cooperate, as I listen and follow. And my hunch is, I can't prove this, but my hunch is the writers of the New Testament stayed away from courage because it sounded too much like something, you're just going to do this. And what you find in, the, new, in, the, in the, uh, the Bible is that courage always flows out of a confidence in God, not a confidence in ourselves. That courage always flows out of what God has called us to do. Like it wasn't Moses' idea, like, hey, I've got a great idea. I'm going to go to, to uh, let Israel free. God, could you back my play? The courage wasn't Gideon like, I got an idea. We're getting our tails whooped. We are outnumbered. I, I know, I got an idea. How about if I go take them on? God, you back me. Now, what you see over and over is courage in the Bible is a man or woman responding to the leadership of God in their life and stepping out in obedience and faith on what God is calling them to do. And this is what you see uh, with Joshua here, if you look back at that passage again, that's on your note sheet in the previous section, notice how every time that God challenges him to be strong and courageous, he ties it to his presence and calling in his life. He says, be strong and courageous. Why? Because you will lead these people to inherit the land. In other words, I'm with you. You can be strong and you can be courageous because I'm going with you. Look at the next one. He says, be strong and courageous. Why have I not commanded you? In other words, you can be strong and courageous because, like, this was my idea, not yours. Look at the next one. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord will go with you wherever you go. And so for us followers of Jesus, this is what it looks like to grow in courage. It's not that we just kind of go out and say, let's find something really scary to do and take the leap. The way we grow is by listening and following the Holy Spirit. And as he calls us to take that next step, we face our fears. We listen and we follow. And as we go, he meets us and transforms us. And we become a person of courage. And we become renewed like our creator. And now as a person of courage, we have the capacity to do relationship well. And so this leads to a question then. And there in your note sheet, I've got this one question for you as we wrap this up. And the question I have for you is, is there a step you need to take? You know, we're, we're laying out principles for a lifetime here, right? This is not like, hey, a moment in time, a message in time just for now. What we're talking about goes for all of your life for the rest of your life. It goes for every day. Every life. This principle that we're teaching about, career, it's going to go forever. But we're at a point in time right here, I'm delivering a message right now, and this is what I was sensing during worship, is that for many of you in this room, I believe this, that God is going to be calling you right here, right now. There is a step of courage you need to take. And what I'm asking is, is God putting that in your heart? We've learned today that it takes courage to start a relationship Let me tell you something, it takes a lot of courage to stop a relationship. Let me me just, quick sidebar here, if you're single, and you're dating someone, and they're the wrong person, and you know they're the wrong person, and God has been telling you, you are wasting your life and missing other opportunities. Every day you stay, you are writing a different future. you cannot move into your future until you get out of the past. And if you're in a wrong relationship and God has been telling you, hey, you're living with your boyfriend, you've been there for eight months, you know it's wrong, the Holy Spirit, God has a plan for your life. And every day you stay, you're either delaying or derailing that plan. One of the most courageous things God calls us to do is not just to start relationships, but to stop certain relationships. It takes courage. You know, but what if I never find someone else? Or what if, hey, that's why it's courage. Is there a relationship? Is God been putting it in your heart for a while? You need to reach out to that man or woman you admire, and, and, uh, and you want them to ask him to mentor you. And they, it's been. They may say no. They may be too busy. They may not be able. But what if God is putting it there? What if God has a very special relationship for your life that's going to change your life, like Jonathan and David? Like that relationship changed both their life, and it never would have happened if Jonathan hadn't the courage to initiate. Some of you guys, there's a woman in your life you've. You you respect her she's a woman of the lord you're drawn to her but you're just afraid you need to get out of the boat you need to ask her out you need to explore for some of us, it's a, it's a deepening relationship. You've lived, uh, 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 because of what's happened in your past, an afraid life. You're afraid of relationships, and God is calling you to step out and to risk some self-revelation with some trusted people, and you're resisting, and there's something God wants to do. There's some of you God is calling to step in to celebrate recovery. There's some of you God is calling for a long time to be in a life group, and you've been resisting. There's some of you, that are out there that you should be up here getting baptized tonight. God has been calling you and you have been resisted and there is a blessing for you waiting and you are resisting. For some of you, God is calling you, there is a broken relationship on your relationship, it's broken, and you're, God's calling you to step into the danger and it scares you to death. Here's what I want you to catch. If God is calling, we need to get out of the boat and we need to face our fears and we need to follow where he leads. And as as we do, two things will happen. First, we will be transformed. And number two, our future will be changed. Let's pray together. God, as we're talking about these things, it's just, it's hard, Lord. We're We're vulnerable people. We're scared people. Oftentimes, these things, we we talk like we're so tough, but often it's just risky, and the fear of rejection or the fear of things going wrong, whatever it is, and we just need your help, and so, God, we pray that you'd fill us with faith and courage that we would be able to step towards our fears and listen and follow wherever you lead, and so, God, as we go into a time of worship, as we talk about getting out of the boat, following the waves, I pray that during this time, you'd minister to us. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Right now, we're going to go into a time of worship, and uh, if you're here to be baptized, I encourage you to come up and line up at this time, and uh, right now, would you just stand with me, and we're going to go into this time, and I just want just encourage you that God would, uh, you just be open to what is God saying to you. Is he saying, is there a step he's calling you to take that you know it? I'm not asking you to make up something. I'm just saying, hey, is there something that he's putting on your heart, and will you respond to him? Oh, hey, man, what a night. Aren't you glad you came? It was awesome. (laughs) Well, it was uh, just something special. And uh, may the Lord be with you this week. And may this be a week of courage for you that we learn as followers of Jesus to face our fears and to move towards him under the leadership of his spirit, that we might be renewed, become like our creator, changed and restored. We have the capacity to do these relationships well. As we go, just a couple things. Uh, to the right over here, my right, your left. If you need prayer about anything, we do this every week, whether I mention it or not. There's always prayer teams there, badges on. Love to pray with you. Whatever you're going through, they'd love to hear your story and pray with you. Second, I hope you can come back next week because next week we tackle, this is a great topic. It's the topic of self-control. So I'm sure that probably most of us here can't really relate. But... Uh, <laughs> Maybe you've got a friend, a neighbor, someone else in your life that you could bring that, you know, because I know we've got it under control, but, you know, I understand. So may the Lord be with you this week. It may be a week of growth and grace in your life. May you know his tremendous love for you. May you experience the power of his spirit increasingly. May you know his tender affection for you. May this be a week where you press into him who has come to press into you. A God who came and had the courage to enter into our time and space and become one of us and face what he did to give you the courage to become the person you were created to be. May this be a week you press in and pursue that God who has pursued you. That we might be transformed and changed, become a a church, a community of light in a dark world, a place that gives hope and strength to those who, like we've heard today, are out there and so much in hope of it. Amen? Amen? God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you next week.